Hello and um, welcome back to our series, Caring in Crisis, a podcast about um, sharing caring methods, um, breathing techniques and stress and trauma relief. I am Dr. Siana um, Shafi. I'm a primary healthcare physician from the UK and I'm with my colleagues, um, Ulf Sandström and Gunilla Hamner, who are trauma consultants based in Sweden. Welcome back, you two. Yeah, happy to be here, and thank you. Yes, so we're here to share our experiences about caring in crisis in every single way, and our it's personal experiences, and it's our experiences from our work. Yeah, and I'm Gunilla Hamne. So we are both you know, doing this work together, all the three of us doing this work together. And today we would like to talk about something very specific, isn't it, Siana? That's right. We thought, um, I mean, we're all parents, three of us. We've all been through this particular age group of parenting and I'm still in it. And I think um, Ulf, you're still in it. We all have teenagers and we actually want to talk about teenagers in crisis. We are currently within the COVID-19 crisis, um, the pandemic in 2020. Uh, But really, uh, the the, the matters being drawn to our attention, we feel are um, important to recognise and address and should apply to any time, any time, any difficulty. I mean, the truth is that as a as a doctor uh, working in the, on the front line, dealing with families in particular, I come across so many teenagers, even before this crisis. Um, we have some statistics here. So many teenagers are suffering with mental health illnesses. And, um, and 70% of these children and adolescents who experience mental health problems don't get the appropriate intervention, you know, and certainly don't get it at at an early enough age. It's actually very difficult. They fall between stools. They're not children. They're not adults. Um, The WHO in particular has mentioned that um, mental health uh, conditions account for 16% of the global burden of disease in this age group between the ages of 10 and 19 and half of all mental health conditions start by the age of 14, so very young. And globally, depression is one of the leading causes of illnesses and disability. And the most frightening statistic for me is that suicide is the third leading cause of death in 15 to 19-year-olds. Yep, so. so- so we have to think about what can we do about this? Because, I mean, statistics tell us, it gives us a bell curve. It gives us an idea about the size of this challenge, how big it is, and how we should think about it. Uh, my takeaway point from that as a parent is 14. I, I think 14 is probably when signals show up and they have started long before that. Um, but it's probably a good age to start looking for it because they're going into adolescence and, and lots of things change. But we, we have we have talked about basics of of parenting, and one of the basics that seems to be a scarcity in these times is offering pure attention and time, actually seeing the person, engaging with them, and talking to them. Yeah, and of course that's a bit challenging, perhaps now in lockdown. Otherwise, I mean, this having other people around who, I mean, just sitting down chatting about things and not for the pressure of school or something, but actually engaging in some kind of conversation, I mean, together and doing something together, playing some games together or, you know, I think that's, I mean, it's super important, that kind of, 
I don't know what you call it, family reunion or at least parent reunion with the child or whatever. Family traditions, indeed. And I think so many things have been disrupted. I, I, for one, I thought perhaps, you know, being in lockdown, I would have that little bit more time or at least they knew that even if I'm working, I'm, I'm in a room, I'm on a computer, they could just come and find me. And of course, that's not in the concept of teenage um, mindset, is it? That it's a case of you actually have to notice them. And there's this thing, I wanted to say something about how I think traditionally when we get to this age where we're doing important exams in our lives, I feel like we have preconditioned children to be high achieving, high performing machines. And there is this huge expectation on them and then suddenly comes along a pandemic that says, no, you won't be doing your exams anymore. You might not even be going to school for another year, another year, a whole year. And and they're sort of thinking, well, what about all those things that we've been told until now? If we don't do our exams and if we don't succeed, we won't succeed in life. And we might as well just give up. Um, no, strange, there's a strange thing there. There's another statistic that was uh, brought forward by Lars-Erik Unestål, who is a Uh, professor in in, uh, mental training here in Sweden. He's been looking at this uh, a lot. And uh, he found that there is very little correlation between your exam grades and how you succeed in life. It's actually spread quite evenly between uh, the exam grades and the actual level of life satisfaction at a later point, which is kind of going against that. And maybe some parents will be screaming now, don't tell this to the kids. But I, I think that we should talk about it because I agree. I agree. We should be telling them exactly that, that actually it's not about your grades. I am a straight B student. I don't think it's ever, uh, well, straight B and maybe a C and a D occasionally, but it never impacted my success as I see it. You know, I'm, I'm in a, a position where I am mostly able to uh, be a successful human being in society, I feel anyway. Yeah, that often, I mean, reminds me of the, there's a clip on YouTube watched by many. I think it's Steve Jobs when he's talking to some college students who finished their studies. And um, he said that, you know, he never finished his studies. Um, but he did other things that he enjoyed doing, meaning learning graphic design, um, going to art classes and different things. And of course, these students, they were like, what? You know, it is like one of those. And same with Bill Gates. I don't think he even finished his studies either. So, I mean, there are all these people who, you know, whatever you call success, I don't know. But for these guys, I mean, the world of today, of course, they are both very successful um, were one of them and the other one still is and 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 so it isn't i mean it doesn't depend on that and then of course i'm going to say oh don't tell anybody oh but that's the truth i mean but you need curiosity isn't it i mean so we need to keep curiosity up for I think as a parent as a parent we do so didn't yeah. we have a nice analogy of the the, the the general in an army so as a parent you see yourself as a general in an army um you know, watching, training your troops, uh, giving them some great skills and then sending out, sending them out into the battlefield of this world to, to do what they have to do. Or do you see yourself as a gardener who has to maybe plant a seed and water it and nurture it and watch it grow and give it those ideal optimum conditions? We yeah. had a, a discussion about that. 
When the sun is too hot, you shadow them. And when there's too little sun, you shine on them. Because the thing is, you know, are we raising winners or warriors or compassionate survivors? And I think in a world that is looking the way it is right now, if you're looking at both the issues of the pandemic and uh, how all lives matter equally and the riots that are coming in the footsteps of these questions, I think we should walk away from success and walk into compassion and community. And I think that's where a lot of the answer will be lying because we can't just compete and climb ladders and measure ourselves in material or um, monetary uh, equations because that's not, that's not going to say anything about who we are. At the end of the day, we're still standing in line for toilet paper and we don't even need it to survive the crisis. Yeah, that's why, I mean, I always come back to this word that I learned in, in Rwanda, Ichirezi, which means the diamond within yourself. I mean, and sometimes you don't know it. It is, and you polish it, I mean, and you help others to find their diamond within themselves by by appreciating and, and, and saying good things about something you're able to do because everybody has come to this world with an ability, with something that is their uh, Ichirezi, their diamond, and but you need to see it. And if we only focus on those things that are, are on the outside, meaning this kind of success, high grades in school and earning a lot of money. I mean, so many will fall outside that. And that can be, you know, so many different things and creativity, of course. And that goes together with curiosity. I mean, these two C's um, uh, who are so important to get somewhere. I just I just love your uh, mention of the diamond because we have a, a philosophical understanding of that. It comes, I think it comes from Prophet Muhammad. Um, but we we say that a diamond in the rough, when you first find diamond in the ground, it actually looks like a piece of glass, right? It doesn't look like anything at all. Mm. But you take this piece of particular piece of glass, in quotes, and you throw it into one of those high intensity tumble wash things and you start chipping and cutting and doing things to it. You know, you almost torture this piece of glass and what comes out of it? Yeah. A glistening high carrot. The more carrots in a diamond, the more sides, the more, uh, you know, the more sort of suffered it, it is, this diamond, the more it shines and the more yeah, valuable the more it light becomes. will come into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's a Japanese saying that diamonds are shaped in the eye of adversity. So, I mean, it takes a lot of pressure over a long time to make a diamond. So uh, I also would say, you know, realizing that a while back, we would all remember everybody's phone number because we were aligned on them to be able to call somebody. There was no memory in the phone. And the very moment we got the memory in the telephone, we suddenly stopped that ability, the motivation to actually learn how to remember a phone number disappeared. And I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud here. I wonder if you're a kid today, you know, if, if you want to show that you're smart, you need to know something that nobody else knows so that you can say, hey, I, I learned this the other day. It's a cool fact. And everybody just picks up their phone and Googles it and says, no, you're wrong. It's 2.4. It's not 2.6. You know, it's, there's no real thrill in having acquired knowledge and being able to, to bring it to the table in the same way as before because anybody can double check anything in two seconds with their thumb. And I'm wondering if that is a demotivator of acquiring certain knowledge. Why would you sit in school to learn about the, the Battle of Hastings, you know, and try to remember that year when anybody knows you can find it in 10 seconds? 
True. Uh, motivation and motivating teenagers. I mean, do you guys have any tips? I mean, I was, I've been listening to um, a book by Stephen Covey, who's written now The Seven Habits for um, families as opposed to uh, for highly effective families and I think one thing I really took away from there was this concept of an emotional bank that needs to have some deposits made into it particularly with teenagers you know little compliments I know in high achieving competitive families that compliments and slowing down and just being able to say I love you or give each other a hug by the way hugs are allowed even when you're social distancing especially when you're inside a family in the same family home um and we I I mean it was a real takeaway point for me is that you can only get back from your teenager what you invest in them and if you if if we are so focused in this materialistic world then let's switch that round and maybe focus on what we deposit into their emotional well-being bank. Um, yeah, I think many think that it's only with criticism that you really show that you are you know, concerned about somebody moving forward. But in so much research, they find out what motivates people is to get encouraged with those things, not all the criticisms. It's like in, when I went to school, they did, I mean, the teacher would make these kind of red marks in the ticks, in the whatever you call it, in the, on the paper. And that it is like you see only the wrong things that you did, but you don't know anything. You don't notice anything of if you had something that was good. And to notice, though, that's really to polish that diamond, to notice all those good things with a smile. I think the uh, I, I, psychological I, term is, uh, is it positive reinforcement? It's really yeah, that, tricky it to is. do. But really that's, tricky but to that do. is the key. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's what they've, they've done studies on this, where they found that they took two football teams and in one of the teams, the experts told them everything they needed to improve to be perfect. And the other team, they pointed out what they were already doing well. And the already doing well team surpassed the other team by far. So actually, when we think we're helping our kids by, you know, not making them too cocky, oh, you're good at this test, but don't get too slack about the next one. You know, we're taking away the credit that they need to hear. And when they're saying, you know, I finished this, I got a, I got a B. Yeah, a B, why didn't you get an A? And all of a sudden, they're not credited for what they did fine, you know? So I think that is, that's a, that's a perspective to remember because I have so many clients, grown clients in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that come to get therapeutic help. And they're still carrying this preconditioning. This They're hypnotized by society, by friends and parents that they're not good enough. They're not enough. You know, you should do better. Why didn't you do better? Why didn't you try more? Well, actually, life is a balance. And the one thing these people don't have is a balance. So I just have to mention another book, which I think is one of the best parenting books um, around. It's called Parenting Without Power Struggles by Susan Stiffelman. And we'll write about it in the link to the, uh, to the pod on Podbean so you can see it there. But Parenting Without Power Struggles is you're the captain of the ship. People expect you to stay calm even in the worst storm. People expect to come to you for advice. And if it's, there's any danger, they expect you to bring that ship back into harbor safely. But otherwise, they should just go about their distance and enjoy the ride. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit like that general concept that I mentioned earlier, isn't it? You yeah. said you're, you can't be on the battlefield with your children all the time, but you have to be there when they come back injured or indeed victorious and oh. salute them. 
We yeah. talked about this, and you know, I'm I'm not a fan of the general. I'm a fan <laughs> because <laughs> because that implies that I that they are fighting my battle for me. So I, I'm a fan of the gardener, and I think that the captain here is just simply that somebody has to be responsible for the safety, but not necessarily telling people what to do. Everybody has to think for themselves. Yeah, I think we should celebrate more. That's really celebrate when there is things. I mean, and so say that. Wow, you know, more of that. That we are, you know, enjoying, whether we're adults or, you know, teenagers or what. We need to have that kind of encouragement to see exactly those things that we did so well and not focus on that other stuff. But something is gone. It's wrong when you have a train. It's like when we have had a training in some parts of the world where there is criticism or if 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 there's no criticism they find that don't you care you know because that's really what you're trained in it's that care is criticisms you know so what did i do wrong no i mean this and this you did well you know just like just continue with that it's the victorian era i suppose we should maybe we should round off with some practical things that we could like share with our listeners um certainly from 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 my um a time of eight weeks or is it more now of lockdown with my teenagers I think two things that I needed to try and reactivate one was trying to develop this concept of a family meeting where you have an, a sort of a, a, a setup and I think calling it a meeting it doesn't feel right for me it's like a time when you are just all together in one place, which is really challenging with teenagers, isn't it? And the only time in my home that I actually manage somehow to do that is either at meal times, just about, or on the premets when we still <laughs> try to encourage each other to be there. And just those moments where we can slump together and just kind of lay someone's head on someone's lap or put an arm around someone and or just stand next to each other and just be in close proximity without words I think is really really powerful what about you yeah. guys well uh, for me I, I think there's two things number one I don't want my things to think it's a battle that they go into and fight and come back to rest. I want them to think it's an adventure that they go out and explore and come back if they need any tools that they don't have for that adventure. So like, hey, I came on this wall. I need to be climbing. Well, here's some rope. And hey, I came to this, you know, huge creek with water. I don't know how to get across it. Well, here's a swimming lesson. So, I mean, it's an adventure that's being written and they're writing it and they're doing it and they're coming back just, you know, just back to the castle to get some more keys and tools for that exciting game that exciting adventure out there and the oh, second i can just is, see it i can see it on the xbox or the playstation yeah, right now exactly. i love it i love it. it so it's an adventure first of all it's not a battle it's an adventure and the second thing is you know uh, you as a parent me as a parent we are the goal they are feeling they are walking towards if we give them the advice you should do this and that and we're not smiling they would go why would i want to do that you don't look too happy do you so our mission is actually to first take care of ourselves and find the calm and the smile and the joy in life that will inspire them to follow our footsteps because we found joy. Because if our adventure leaves us to non-joy, they're not going to want to walk there. So I think yeah. just having the happy smile. Yeah, happy smile and going for it. I mean, I've had the opportunity to, I mean, my teenager is now way above teenaging. But during all that time, we have always gone 
on adventures together also. I mean, going for some, whether it's short or long or something. And for me, it is adventures is a lot in nature because it has no, you know, request for, for anything specific. It's just you go out, you find a place or a, a place that is high or you climb somewhere, you go to the sea, you know, you, when you can do something. And that's, of course, after lockdown in all those places. But we are going out from this 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 pandemic uh, in a while i mean and we'll be able to do that or when it's like this just at least stand in the window or go out in the garden whatever is possible to do sunshine is very healthy <laughs> so so i think we could do should we finish with this an exercise which is also very good in these times of high frustration irritation and all this that can happen between people or what you say guys yeah uh, i think so pretty. yeah Okay. What, what kind of an exercise is that exercise? Yeah, I mean, that exercise is a kind of exercise that lowers that chemical that makes us feel like, oh, into rage or, you know, too much energy and shaking and the hands are shaking. So we actually call it blowout. It's like blowing out the oh, excess like of adrenaline. Blowing out steam? Like steam, yeah. Hmm. Or, you know, fire sometimes when you feel fiery or, you know, whatever it is. Or, so, so that would be kind of like a magical gesture, wouldn't it? It is a magical gesture. Magical. It's a <laughs> magical <laughs> gesture. of Wow. So a usually, bodily magical gesture. Yeah. So usually when there's a magical gesture, you know, either you have a wand or you do something with your hand and then you, you do something at the same time and it becomes very powerful. So why don't we try this? If we put our hands in the air and Both we... Constantly. Yeah, both hands in the air, you know, we clench our fists, you know, like we just won, we won, yeah. And then we breathe in, and we breathe out and pull down, like, shoo! Pull down yeah, hard, so, the arms very hard. Yeah, oh, so good that, for your shoulders too, actually. Yeah, so in the, in the end position, our elbows are at our sides and our fists are at the, you know, at level with our chin. So we do again, hands up. Shoo! Wow. How many times should we do it, Ganilla? Three times is always a good number. Three is <laughs> okay. a good number. Here we okay. go. The magic <laughs> three. Habits. Okay. The magic okay. three, yes. Okay, why don't you lead three? We've had practice now. Yeah, so we raise our hands and arms up and then <laughs> down, pull down. Yeah. And then again. <laughs> and again. Wow, I hear that this is done by athletes, it's done by artists, it's done by uh, firemen and, and police and first responders. And so it's actually something that people do at a very high level of uh, performance. Performance, yeah. I was thinking of the, um, the Kiwi haka for, mm, exactly. the, for the rugby the rugby, uh, ki- yeah. rugby team when they do their, you know. That's the Maori tradition. Well, we yeah. The Maori thing, yeah. Teams in yeah. Sweden, in the so, all Swedish, that do this exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that's a very good one. And I mean, if you can open the window before, or, or at least look at the sun a bit, I know, and and see that other things are coming in, because this is really blowing out that excess, excess, excess energy. Yeah. Could you so just it, give me the name of the? Are you going to put it in the link? The name yeah, of the? Yeah, we put it in, and we call yeah, it blow out. Yeah, we, we put the name in the link in the description. You, we have an app you can download. It's going to be there in the link too. Listen to the other pods. Go to Podbean. Comment. Send us, you know, a comment or whatever, and we will listen to you, and we will, uh, you know, get back in the next pod. Anything about crisis, because it's an adventure, and crisis is part of the adventure. Yeah, life is an adventure. You never know <laughs> what you're going to meet. And everybody you meet, you can see as a teacher. So do that. Cheerio. Take Cheerio. Care. Bye-bye.